Roundtable. Brought to you by The Simple Investor, making the world of real estate investment simple. The Free For All Roundtable, round two. It's a sweet, sweet Friday. On round two today, MPP Yvon Baker, he's with the Provincial Liberals, and like I say, Dowson, Montreal journalist and commentator. Uh, Michael McIsaac, a lawyer with Weir Folds, and also one of the very few people who's actually swum across Lake Ontario. And Gord Martineau is here, actually back from Florida. Florida Freddy has oh, returned, yes. You're looking very uh, colorful. Thank you very much. Yeah, you've been out on your bike and golfing I and all that stuff? I have been doing a lot of cycling and playing really bad tennis. I'm very envious. Well, here mm. you are, plunged back into all the usual nonsense yep. in the uh, great city of Toronto. Mm -hmm. I don't want to repeat yesterday's discussion about road tools. I think the new stuff we have this morning is, one, um, the price of renovating, restoring, and reconfiguring the gardener is now $1 billion more. So instead of $2.6 billion, it's $3.6 billion. Mm -hmm. That's new. John Tory says, don't worry, it's covered. Um, Shelly Carroll was with us minutes ago, and she said, this is ridiculous. The tolls won't even be available until the 20s, if we live that long. Um, they're not going to raise enough money. It's time to talk property taxes. Mm -hmm. um, Gord... You must sometimes think, haven't we had this debate before? We have. I did a documentary on road tolls a couple of years ago. Uh, and, you know, I came to the conclusion these things are inevitable. Somebody's got to pay for the upkeep of these roads. 905ers don't like the idea, but uh, they are in the majority when it comes to using the Gardner and uh, the, and the uh, Don Valley Parkway. But, you know, have has anybody asked these contractors to sharpen their pencils? How does this cost go completely out of control? One explanation is, well, we haven't accounted for the possibility that the feds might spend some money. Well, they've been spending money like drunken sailors. Yeah. Can we not but get we always under budget. We, everything yeah. goes over budget. Yeah. Can we not get some money for all the votes we gave them last time? <laughs> and like I say, Dowson, can I take advantage of your specialized knowledge here? Because Montreal's <laughs> kind of in the middle of a big dick. Oh, absolutely. The whole city is on uh, there. It's a festival of orange cones is the joke here. We used to have tolls, I should point out, in Quebec on the township's auto route and the Champlain Bridge, and they were taken down. And the idea was that we would raise that revenue through taxation and uh, get the feds in the province to kick in because they benefit from the traffic that uh, is generated in these big cities, Montreal and Toronto. So I, it seems to me that there hasn't been enough pressure brought on the feds or on the province here uh, in this case. I don't, you know, I don't really understand why the city just so quickly gave up trying to force the province and the federal government's hands on this Well, one. there's only so much you're going to squeeze out of them. Michael McIsaac, uh, you're a lawyer. Do you, does that involve moving around by car by day at all? Uh, no, I actually live downtown and I walk to work. So oh, you're an really... elitist then. <laughs> Good for you. Not, not quite. I like, I like the walk to work. It's quite enjoyable. And, you know, I woke up this morning and I saw this, uh, this headline and my heart sank a little bit for John. Um, you know, when, when I saw the tolls come in uh, a couple of days ago, I said, okay, fine, we're making progress here and, and we're, we're headed in the right direction in, in this city where yeah. we're willing to finance some infrastructure spending here. And then you recognize that, oh, geez, now, now we're a billion dollars over and the feds aren't going to pony up and that's going to come out of what we thought the initial budget was going to be for the tolls and the revenue generated from it. And so it hurt. It yeah. hurt to see that. And well, it makes my head hurt just doing the math. Yvonne Baker, what about the idea that the province should just pony up all the cash? Well, if you think about what the province has been doing, so we've spent a record amount of on transit in Toronto. In fact, we came to agreement, the province came to an agreement with the city just recently where we're spending $10 billion on new transit in Toronto, plus the smart track piece, which is north of $3 billion. The city's only covering a small portion. I think it's $2 billion and change. So I think the, the province has really showed its commitment 
put put its money where its mouth is in terms of committing to transit and infrastructure in Toronto. But the other thing I want to say, John, quickly is um, I have a background in business. That's what I did before I got to elected politics. Mm. I used to be a management consultant with a firm called Boston Consulting Group. And we used to advise companies on large investments like this. We should help estimate what it would cost to invest in a factory or buy a new company or something mm. like that. And when you advise companies, when private sector companies are making these decisions, you all, you do first of all, you do your best to sharpen your pencils, as Gord was saying, to make sure you get the estimate right. But you all, if there's uncertainty, and there's always uncertainty in these cases, then you put a range around the estimate. It could cost you 2.6, but it could cost you up to 3.6 or 4 billion, so that the decision makers have the right information when they make the decision. Okay. City Council made a decision. Well, I realize you two, weren't involved on this yeah. file, but don't put it on the backs of the property <laughs> taxes. Uh, you know, don't do that. I mean, the property taxes are high enough. Yeah. Although, can I just jump in though? If, if if this was the left that was in power in City Hall in Toronto or Montreal for that matter, this would be viewed as a user pay tax grab. If the left did this, there'd be hell to pay. Why don't you increase taxes on those monster homes and some of those awful condo towers down by the lakeshore? No, you're making for your example. friends in Toronto. Yeah. And now you're hey, I'm from Toronto and I have family <laughs> yeah. there and I find the way that the city is being developed is odd, let's say. No, I'll agree with you and certainly my t- I have a more expensive house in Toronto than I did in Montreal and I pay much less in uh, property taxes because we've got a low mill rate. Well, maybe uh, that's where to go. Barbie once said, math is hard, so let's keep moving here. <laughs> Michelle Mandel writes a hilarious story about two neighbors fighting over a tree in Oakville. It's a 23-meter-high black walnut tree that drops its nuts on the roof of one of the houses, and that guy wants to keep cut it down. Keep your nuts to yourself. Yeah. Watch the puns here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. let's make sure everyone understands the tree is located right on the property line. So the neighbor who doesn't like it wanted to cut it down. The neighbor who does like it refused. They ended up in court. Let's start with the lawyer on the panel here. Uh, Michael, some pretty crazy cases end <laughs> this, up before this is, judges. This is a little ridiculous if you ask me. I mean, the, the people that own the property that where the house is located have been there for 38-some-odd years. The individual who bought the house next door has been there for, I don't know, five to seven years or something like this. So I'm guessing that the house is a new build. I'm guessing that he had some architectures, you know, come architectures, uh, sorry, architects come in and build the house and look at the design and how close it was going to be to the property line. And maybe they, I don't know, there was an oversight. But taking this They forgot court, the nuts. Yeah. They, <laughs> but taking this to court and using our resources, come on. It's Oakville. I mean, you know, there's a lot of beautiful trees there, and a black walnut is a is a tree that was brought up probably by the United Empire Loyalists. It's practically a historic tree, right? <laughs> so, you know, trees are messy, people. Not out Jeez. Um, so I'm, what, you know? I'm snoring. All right. About what? Gordon? The, whole, the history the lesson of the tree. I, I don't know. I love neighbors who fight, I have to say. I love trees. Hey, let's tree let's move to something which actually would be at Queen's Park. And Yvonne Baker, seems that you can get a flu shot that has three strains in it or a flu stra- shot that has four. Uh, for the four one, you have to pay extra. For the three one, it's free and paid for by the provincial plan. The problem is the four one is much more effective this year. looks like the three could be nigh unto useless. So in the house, you're going to face down... Um, Sherry DeNovo, who's going to ask you, not necessarily you, but the health minister, Eric Hoskins, to cover the cost of the shot. Is that something you guys would do? Okay, so first of all, for clarity, John, the province covers flu shots for everybody. For children, they cover a shot that covers four strains of virus. Yeah. And for adults, it's three strains. I just want to make sure that that's clear. When they decide on, when the Ministry of Health decides on this, they try to project forward to the next flu season and figure out what 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 uh, viruses are going to be prevalent and what we need to protect yeah. people from. And it seems like and they didn't get they it right anticipated, this year. And maybe that's true. If but you look at the world health, but, right? but well, absolutely they do. If you look at the World Health Organization website, they say that the three shot, uh, the three vaccine flu is uh, the three uh, virus flu. I'm sorry, uh, shot is the right one for adults. So 
there, the medical evidence is, is competing on this and not in full agreement. But here's what I would say. If, if, the, if the projections were wrong and they didn't anticipate correctly and people all are vulnerable to this, then I definitely think we should look at covering. I think it's, I'm, I'm suspicious. I never get the flu shot. I hardly ever get the flu. I've, I wonder about this. Like, it seems to me it's ineffective and maybe even a profit grab by the pharmaceutical companies. So three I, strains this year, whatever. four strains, uh, yeah. five strains next year. Where does it stop? And, and I think those who can afford to pay for the flu shot should pay for it. Uh, indigenous groups, or actually it's an indigenous individual, but he could turn it into a group thing, uh, staged a protest this week that could continue. He, I didn't even know because I haven't been down to St. Lawrence Market in so long, such a long time, but the north building has been demolished and they're currently excavating. And when you excavate in Toronto in an historic district, you have to have archaeologists on call. The archaeologists say if they find anything native, they'll call natives. I should say aboriginal. Uh, but a native arrived the other day and said uh, it's our right to have uh, indigenous archaeologists on the site at all times and now you know it could become a bit of a standoff uh michael are you sympathetic or is this just it's, seem... it's, you know it was an interesting article because you have an archaeologist on site so are we concerned that the integrity of that archaeologist being compromised or somehow coerced by the construction crews that are there and if that's the case is it a real concern and if it is a real concern then what is the harm in having another archaeologist yeah. on site just to oversee and to vet the process? I'm not entirely opposed to it. I'd like to know a little bit more. Gord, I guess the suggestion is that if just they find... snoring again over yeah, there. Mm. If they find old <laughs> bottles from 1850, the archaeologist will be interested. If they find some native bones from 1600, not so much. Well, it's a matter of respect. I mean, can we not show the First Nations people some respect? And, and can we negotiate this properly? And maybe, you know, maybe what the, the Aboriginal people are looking for is uh, maybe a, a small you know, museum, plaques or something that uh, that show the respect that we have for our First Nations people. I think uh, a little bit goes a long way here. Worth yep. noting, worth noting that every single provincial minister, Yvonne Baker, opens whatever remarks they're making yeah. with, we are on the traditional lands of such and such and such. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think if, if there was a there's a note in the article on this that I read this morning that talked about treaty rights. And I think that uh, we absolutely have to make sure that we abide by those treaty rights. We have to live up to those commitments. I'm, I'm a little bit with Mike. I, I don't fully understand the concerns here. I don't fully understand why there's a concern about the integrity of the current archaeologist. I'd like to learn more about that. I'd like to learn more about what the indigenous community is concerned about that mm -hmm. could be there um, before before deciding on this one. But I, I do think there's more to be learned, and, and I do agree that the parties need to work together to find a solution that works for everyone. Anna, are you sympathetic? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that this uh, these Six Nations people, like Robbie Robertson's going around talking about a book. He is a guy from Six Nations Brantford. Why not? I don't see the problem. I agree with Gord on this one. It's Black Friday. Clearly, none of us Yikes. are lined up to buy <laughs> anything. Uh, Ivan, did we steal you away from a lineup outside of an electronic store? You didn't, though. But I got to tell you, though, on a personal note, I, I, it's been so hectic. I'm down to my last pair of suit pants, functional <laughs> suit pants, and I'm really excited about getting out there and shopping. I'm not sure if I'm going to get there on Black Friday. We'll go to I may Tom's have to wait till Christmas. I may go to Tom's place, but it'll have. To, it's been so busy. I'll have to. I may have to wait till Christmas. But it's an everyday Black Friday day. I That's mean, what have, I'm thinking. Haven't these sales been going on forever? I mean, in the United States, you have serious Black Friday deals. I don't think we have the same differential up here. But do you want to go to a mall and walk around with hundreds, thousands of people, you know, just to save 10%, 15%? I'm going to do it on my couch. I'm going to do that in front of the computer. I'm going to do it online. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to have to deal with the hassle of going down to a mall and being around people. I don't like people generally. Yeah, so <laughs> Perfect. Nice Perfect to meet you for too. radio. You know what? I'm exactly the same. So you and I, sh you and I should not hang out together. Uh, and let's go say, Dustin, it seems some of the air may be coming out of Black Friday because of online shopping. Yeah, absolutely. We see it in Montreal. A lot of uh, storefronts closing and, and people in retail lamenting the fact that people are shopping online. 
I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of shopping, so I'm not going. But my kids are, and they'll have fun, and they'll just spend too much money, and that'll be that. I mean, I, you know, I think it's like the festival of overconsumption. But it's a more of a young person's thing, I think, than uh, than what I'm interested in. I I just wanted to add that I, in my prior life as a consultant, I used to advise to the retail sector, and one of the things I learned about Black Friday is that this is it's not so much about offering fantastic deals; it's about really getting people into the malls and starting to think about Christmas shopping, getting them shopping for as long as possible Primed. up until Christmas. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and lastly, of course, we have lost uh, the actress uh, who played. Uh, Carol Brady, which brings me to the inevitable question, Carol Brady or Shirley Partridge? Uh, pass the air sickness bag. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you're a tough nut, Gordon. Oh, Holy yes. moly. God. I I Florida. Give him another coffee. I'll be, I'll be on my way this afternoon. Thank you very much. I'm I jealous. like the lovely lady. Yeah. You remember the song, Here's the Story of a Lovely, lovely lady. lady? Yeah. Who was bringing up three lovely you girls. You know, she was a big star on Broadway. She was a formidable actor. She was, and yeah. she's the first woman. Uh, Florence Henderson to host when um, Johnny Carson was away. Uh, I didn't know that. Interesting. There you go. So the roles that women have now are much more varied, thankfully, right? But still, she was a pioneer in her way. All right, I think we'll leave it there. It was a silly question to begin with. My no, thanks. I like that. No, okay, thank you very much. I'm glad you got my back. Uh, Michael McIsaac is a lawyer. Uh, Yvonne Baker, of course, an MPP. And like I say, Dowson is a journalist uh, working from Montreal. And it's always nice to say hi to Gord Barton. And you're on a plane this afternoon from Florida. I am. Thank you very she much. She just flew in to do our show. Thank you. I did. Good stuff. Uh, because I was having John Moore withdrawal here. I had to get you know involved in the mix again. It's a common syndrome. It's yeah. 9 o'clock. Fun mm-hmm. is fun, but you know you can carry joking too far. Somebody could end up getting hurt.